And we're off. <laughs> somehow that is like, well, not even somehow. I think I said it last time. That is like my trademark. You have a couple of trademarks. That's true. 100%. Yeah. 100, 100%. <laughs> you know what's messed up? Uh, lots of things. That's true. But what? Your office being an icebox right now. It is not an icebox. Yeah, it is. It feels so good in here. It's a nice temperature. Yeah, right. I need like, like a, a it's blanket. It's like 70 degrees. I wish. Actually, it's, it's probably in the mid-60s. Feels good. In here? Yeah. Solid 40. <laughs> <laughs> That's what wow. I'm here for. You are here for what exactly? <sighs> to relive. I just want to bring this up. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Chris Rock. On stage. Yeah, that was unfortunate. On many levels. Yep. How about, did you see or hear what, uh, at like the next commercial break, Denzel Washington went up to him and it was in Will Smith's like acceptance speech of best actor or whatever. And Will Smith said, Den- he like thanked Denzel for um, when he came over. He's like, you know, and Denzel showed me the the more success you find something like the more success you find, that's when the devil attacks. Mm. And it was kind of a cool quote. I didn't realize Denzel Washington was such a big Christian. Yeah. I don't, I just don't know much about actors anymore these days. Same. I just don't. Other than Ted Lasso. I just feel like whenever it's kind of hard being a Catholic, you know, cause the, uh, there's kind of like Catholic can- cancel culture, you know, where this is true. Where you don't, like, I, I need a new credit card because I have a Citibank credit card and they uh, came out publicly and said they'll pay for any employee to go fly to a state to have an abortion if abortion is, if Roe versus Wade is overturned. And I'm like, oh, what? I gotta go get another credit card because I don't want to support them. But it's just, it's hard because the cancel culture thing, first of all, I'm like, why is my bank getting involved in the abortion debate? Correct. Uh, secondly... I'm like, really? Why? It's just hard to be a Christian. I'm like, and you know, where's the line? And there's the cancel culture of, do I need to only, and you know, use products that, yeah. you know, are at least morally neutral and <clears throat> it becomes hard. It's really hard to do that. Did you see, um, I mean, I think it's hysterical and it's amazing, but, uh, the daily wire crew, the guy that started it and Jeremy boring, I think so. He's kind of like the sophisticated looking one. I don't know the he's pictures. A, I hear him every once in a while, like Ben Shapiro will have him okay. on or something. But he's got a phenomenal beard, like you do. But it's kind of funny. That's all he, I wanted to hear. That's right. <laughs> so Harry's like razors. I heard about this because I I listen to the Ben Shapiro show. That's right. Not all the time, but sometimes it's the gym, and that and I heard about this. Yes, and they they were about a year ago. They were sponsored by Harry's, and then Harry's responded to a tweet. From an, an account, I guess, that had two followers. So maybe like a fake account. But then Harry said they no longer support Daily Wire, this and that. So the guy came out <laughs> with his own razors. Um, and they're like completely back-ordered. They don't come out until June. But the the commercial for it is absolutely hysterical. But he Oh, like, att- there's a TV commercial? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's long. It's like four minutes. But he absolutely destroys cancel culture. Good for him. And they're like the one that's like big enough. 
to do this. And he says in there too, like they started their own production company. Yep. They started all this stuff to like counter it. I do think, you know, and this is not our topic because I do want to get to our topic today. Yes. But I do think, you know, I think the big debate for people who are more traditional or conservative is it seems like the far left in this country, they'll do, if they don't like you, they will cancel you. They'll go all out. And the question is, should we kind of up the ante and just play, play on their playing field? And I do think Ben Shapiro, again, I don't agree with everything Ben Shapiro says. I want him to read that book about politics that you and I talked about. The Oh, I thought you were going to say the second half of the book. I Bible. want him to read the politics of the real because he's obviously a very intelligent man. And the politics of the real is a... Oh, yeah. That was a very profound critique of um, the state of politics and really the founding of the political system in the United States. Really interesting stuff. But anyway... But Ben Shapiro, he has a, I like what he says about this, where he's like, basically we want to get companies out of politics. Yeah. It's like Harry's, you know, Harry's was endorsing essentially, or they were reacting against the Daily Wire saying that, you know, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. That's right. And the gender is something that's binary and is tied. And by the way, as Catholics, the thought that you could have a um, male or female body, but to have a soul that is somehow like the soul in the wrong body type idea. Yep. Metaphysically impossible. So philosophically as Catholics, we hold to something called hylomorphism, which means that the soul is the form of the body. Um, and a form is what makes something what it is. That's what a form is. So um, the, the soul is a form of the body. And so it's impossible philosophically for uh, a soul to be in the wrong body. It's, it, it's, an, it's an impossibility. So um, we, you know, and as we always say on this show and anybody who's got a brain in their head as a Catholic or a heart in their chest, that doesn't mean we don't treat people with gender dysphoria yep. uh, with great love and compassion, but it also doesn't mean there's a great, um, N.T. Wright has a line and he's not talking about this. He's talking about, Scripture scholarship, and he says, uh, you know, if other people are building castles in the clouds, don't feel that you have an obligation to move in. <laughs> and I love that. Isn't that a great line? Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think that with the transgender thing, just because, you know, we have compassion on those people, but it doesn't mean we've got to move into the castle in the clouds. Right. And so anyway, I'm way off topic here, but... Uh, ben Shapiro says if the right starts doing what the left does, the goal, I think, I think there's a good goal here. He says we can get companies like Disney, Disney, stay the heck out of politics. Yeah. Make movies for kids. Don't, don't push transgender ideology. That's right. On a political level. And so that's interesting. My one caution would be like, once you start upping the ante, you know, it's like prank wars. Yep. When I was a focused missionary, Scott Powell and I got in a prank war with two students and it, it got, it got ugly. What is that? So that's, I'm curious now the prank war as a focused missionary. Yeah. How does that look? It was awesome. <laughs> what, like how, where did it start and how did it end? Oh gosh. I can't remember how it fully started. I just remember two Two things that happened is it was escalating. <laughs> so, and it's funny when you're focused, I always say one of my, 
goals in life is to prove you can be a devout Catholic and be normal and fun, which might not be true of me anymore. <laughs> Everyone's like lurking. You're old and lame. You don't do anything fun anymore. It's kind of true, but I used to be cool. And so we started this prank war and somehow it, it kind of started going back and forth and escalating. And I don't know if these guys are still out there. There's, there's a college kid named Mark Basaccio at Carroll college in Helena. I can't remember. I can't believe I remember his name. Actually. Yeah. That's impressive. But Mark, he was a great kid. He was a lot of fun. Um, what was his nickname? We had a fun nickname for him. I can't remember. But anyway, Mark came over and he upped the ante because we had a Super Bowl party. And he came over to our house that Scott and I lived in and came to the party. And then he, he must have thought of it afterwards. So he called us and he said, I lost my cell phone. I can't find it. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. So he came over and started looking for his cell phone. Well, he didn't lose his cell phone. He came over and he went into our bathroom. He's like, I got to use the bathroom. And he stole our shower head <laughs> and the, like one of the, the flushing mechanisms on the toilet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I remember showering in our little duplex in Helena, Montana. And all I had was a little hose. You know? yeah, yeah. I was like, curse Mark Passaccio. <laughs> and then when you had to use the bathroom, especially if it was a big potty, we had to run across the street to the student center and like, Oh, I remember Scott Powell running his pajamas, running across Benton Avenue That's, in, the, in the snow. How long did he take it from you guys? I was, I don't know. It was probably a, like a month. It was, wow. It was, oh, it was long. So we, they, and this is such, they were college freshmen and they were notorious for never locking their door in their dorm room. Typical. Yep. So we figured out a time we knew they were going to be at the Carroll college basketball game. Yep. And we moved their entire dorm into a storage unit. I love it. Everything. That's all time. <laughs> it was like This is impressive. I uh, didn't I didn't see it going this way. It was awesome. And then Scott, Scott was terrified of the red the kind of reciprocal or the um revenge, whatever. He was terrified. What are they gonna do next? And yeah. so he it was so funny. He had a kayak and he treasured his kayak. Oh, I'll never no. forget this. And so he threw his kayak in his truck after we had moved everything to the storage unit and he just drove off somewhere to hide. <laughs> it was awesome. That's the best. It was pretty funny. That is more impressive than I expected. Yeah. So there you go. It escalated. So that's my fear of the escalation between right and left. Yeah. You would hope it would kick companies out. You just hope that it wouldn't go so far as it just keeps escalating in the culture wars. But yeah. Anyway. It's a slippery slope. Who are your shout outs? Oh, so you had the, the marriage retreat mm -hmm. last weekend. Go on. And Steph and I and Gianna were able to make it. Yep. A little late. And I had to like, I, I had to slow play convince Steph to still go when we were driving there. We were on a Rappo heading west. Yes, I think I know where this is going. And we're looking at the flat irons. <laughs> there's a huge fire um, in like South Boulder. Yeah, by NCAR. That's right. On Table Mesa. And the whole time, you know, she's like, I, I just don't know if we should go. Like this looks really bad. And then we start to drive and I'm like, no, no, we're fine. And then there's a sign up saying um, baseline is closed at Cherryvale. So I'm like that. And I was like, oh no, they're like starting to close off streets. But I was yep. set on going and like showing up. 
And the whole time I'm like, Steph, babe, look, look at the face of the flat irons, you know, like the, the part of the flat irons that you used to climb or what yeah, you like call the it. First flat iron. Those they're just numbered. Yeah. Those I was like, and it's, you know, as you're driving in, it's hard to tell visually, but it was like half an inch to the left. And I'm like, Steph, look how far away the fire is. Like we are fine. And I just know it's like right there, but it would have to go up and over Chautauqua. Yeah. Anyways, I, we finally make it. And that was amazing. 31 couples. 31 couples. We had a great group this time. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked the the crew we had. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> when we walked in, Steph and I like showed up during the first or not first, but small groups. So we were like, Oh, okay. Like we didn't, we didn't know what to expect. Um, but throughout the night, it was absolutely amazing. And, um, we had, it was funny. There was a few people in the crowd that when you introduced us, wanted to say, and we're off and we're off <laughs> and we're off. Yep. And there were so many, but I was so grateful and thankful for, uh, Paul and Claire that yep. really took the time to come up and and say they listened to the podcast and made a joke that, uh, you know, they wanted to announce and we're off. And it's so funny. Yeah. Paul's marrying a girl that I've known since she was a teenager. Good old Rachel. Rachel Sweeney. Yeah. So congratulations to them. And Claire has been a gem. Like she's an RCIA. So cool. And she's marrying Josh Goldwire. Her, his dad is a deacon in the diocese. He's a great deacon. Oh, wow. We'd love to have him at Lord's. But um, Josh and Claire, just they're just gems. They've been wonderful in RCIA. And she, she, she was very kind to me the other day. She paid me a very nice compliment. But That's awesome. Love yeah, those two. I, I felt bad right when Paul walked up. And I've never met Paul. But I've, you know, Rachel, I've known for a while and all this stuff. But there was there were so many new people for me. And then I turned and I was like, Hey, how are you? And it like didn't land. I was like, wait a second. I totally know you, but it caught me off guard. So I felt bad, but I know Rachel, um, but it was absolutely amazing. And there was just such good, like conversation. Steph and I, when we got married COVID that first time we did the virtual retreat, which was amazing, but it was really cool. We had never experienced like the in-person vibe. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. It was a great retreat. So we, if you, you know, if you don't know this, we have a large marriage preparation program at Lords, and really the 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 crown jewel of it is our marriage retreat. And we we see pray for those couples. We have a lot of conversions. Not everybody, of course, but we have a lot of conversions of people either who are Catholic but aren't really practicing, and uh, we try to win them back to to really practicing their faith, which I think is the best thing they can do for their marriage. Yeah. Because coming to faith actually makes makes you the type of person who admits you don't know everything. And humility is so key for marriage. No question. Like you you have got to stop pretending that you're God. And so people don't mean anything by it, but <clears throat> but oftentimes people who aren't going to church, there's just kind of this default attitude of, I just live my life. I live for yeah. me, do my thing. And going to church means... I actually bend my knee to something bigger than myself, which is great for your marriage. Yep. So I, you know, and I think that's, what's so cool about the marriage retreat. When you talk about humility is I always have empathy for, you know, and that was me like growing up. And if you have the typical, we talk about all the time, but you have the typical perception and or experience, 
of the church and the teaching and the rules associated, um, it kind of makes sense where you're just like, dude, I'm just, as long as I'm a nice person and this and that, like, why, why do we have to be here? Why do we have to be at the retreat? All priests are the same. And having you, Father John, Father Sean, I mean, you put those three, you three together, it's amazing. You put any of the companions, I think you're going to win so many people over. And to just see, you know, and be around you guys truly in an experience that's extended more than like an hour meeting is huge. In, um, yeah. and, and to have the platform to ask questions. Tell you. It was a great retreat. Yeah, it was awesome. For all of you out there, I'm trying to make an espresso right now. <laughs> I don't watch and it. I'm totally distracted. Your cup is way too it's big. It's like way too big. He's got like this little mini Nespresso over here. That's here, the inter- best. I, I'll be right back. Entertain yes. everybody after 30 seconds. I will seconds. just sit here and it is so funny. He's cranked up. The, the long story short here is he walks away and I figure out how to do this. Um, when... FB went to the wedding down in Mexico, not a big espresso guy at all. And then there were little like Nespresso things in our hotel rooms. And all of a sudden I get back and he bought, you know, he got the Nespresso. He got all sorts of espresso life. You've always been, he's back. You've always been the, the coffee. There it is. Gosh, it is nice that it's so quick. Um, You've always been a big coffee guy with the splash of milk. Um, yeah, this thing's a game changer. I feel is. guilty having an, es- an espresso machine in my office, but not really because it's amazing. I don't get, yeah, I feel like you need so much caffeine. That thing's nice. Steph and I just got an espresso maker, but it's like the one you actually put, you know, like the Starbucks version, but it only has like one deal. can do two shots. Mm-hmm. But when your boy over here needs... <laughs> four shots and then he makes Steph. She's a big cappuccino person. I'm really, we've had it for two days and I'm really struggling on the phone. We are so off topic, but you put me in a bad position, but we, it is a lot of work (laughs) like clearing that actual like utensil and have to load new espresso. The Nespresso deal is (laughs) nice. That's why Nespresso is nice. Yeah, it is. Um, okay. I've got a shout out unless you're, yeah, let's do it. Am I cutting you off? Nope. So same thing with the retreat. We had a great retreat. Marriage, oh, marriage matters so much. You want to, if you're a priest out there, you guys know this. I know you know it if we have any priests listening. But boy, you can build a whole church off a marriage prep program. Yeah. If you do it well, you win people over. You can build a whole church off of it. Um, but I do want shout outs really quick. Mike and Marilyn Baird. Yeah. They spoke at the marriage retreat for the first time and they crushed it. They just really vulnerable and gave some really... And that, that's what makes our marriage retreat, I, I think, really good say. is vulnerability. Yep. Everybody, I think a lot of non-practicing people out there, they just think Catholics are judgmental yep. and just kind of jerks. And our retreat is vulnerable. And yep. so Mike and Mary Lynn led off and they talked about how when life got busy when they were a young married couple and got away from them and when they had kids and stuff, that they stopped practicing the faith. Wow. And they talked about how that hurt their marriage. And they just had the humility to say, we're just so grateful that God pulled us back. And they talked a little bit about Mike. Mike was really vulnerable. He worked in an industry that's connected to IVF. 
in vitro fertilization. That's right. That's and he right. was, and it, I remember when it happened because his daughter, Hannah, as you know, their daughter, Hannah, Hannah is like, I love few people on earth as much as Hannah McCabe. Um, and her husband's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nate's great. But, um, I remember when Mike, he made the heroic decision to step away from his job because he realized that this was not in alignment with his in alignment with his faith and he stepped away and that took tremendous courage. He took yeah, a pay cut. He and trust. It's a huge amount of trust. But they were great. So shout out to the Bairds and then also to Katie and Jordan Lynch. Mm, mm-hmm. So the the Rudolphs couldn't speak as they normally do. They do an amazing job talking about openness to life and family life. And they couldn't they had some personal stuff going on. Uh, they couldn't make it. But the um Lynch's pinched hit, pinched. I'm not saying this right. Pinch hit. Yeah, they pinch hit. I'm trying to put it in the past tense. (laughs) Pinch hitted. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. (laughs) So they pinch hit for the Rudolphs and they just crushed it. That's what I heard. I missed it. That was early. It was funny. So Katie, Katie is mini Mary Nepple. Like if you know Mary Nepple, her daughter, it's like they're, and they're one, they're family for me. But they, uh, Katie was dressed to the nines. She looked absolutely gorgeous. And Jordan wore jeans and a t-shirt. I love it. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> and they just had a great talk. They were vulnerable. They were funny. They really drew people in. They did a great job. And lastly, the other new talk, someone who's never done one before, was Father Sean Conroy. I missed it. Well, he, well, didn't, he, he preached at the Mass. Okay. Which yep. I consider kind of one of the talks of the retreat. That's right. And he did a great job. That's so. awesome. Good. Okay, so that's a lot. We get, but good, we got to get to our topic. good for him. Well, I think you kind of said this, Mike Baird. The, I mean, this is somewhat of a segue, but the IVSF scenario, leaving his work commitments, yep. trusting something else, something I feel like that gets brought up. And we actually had an, an email uh, question in regards to this, so it was a perfect timing. But the scenario of can if if you have siblings or friends, family, any of the above that are, uh-huh. whether they're, I guess it's two questions, but say they're Catholic, but getting married outside the church and, or you have friends that are not Catholic getting married on a beach in yep. Hawaii. What are your thoughts on a, as a Catholic attending the wedding? I love how sneaky you are. That's right. I saw that segue a couple of minutes ago and I was like, I we actually, am. so we had someone write in about this. Patrick's That's right. like, I'm just going to act like it's my question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pinch hit it and, and nail so this one. We got an email from, um, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, but it's, uh, Vivek Puri. Um, Oh, that's the wrong one. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm wait like, a second. How do you, <laughs> I don't know. we did get an email from that person. This is from Amanda Borchers. Um, so Amanda said that she heard me say that I went to a wedding in seminary uh, of my best friend at the time and my childhood and still a great friend, but it was outside the church. So we want to talk a little bit about can it, can a, uh, practicing Catholic. Can you, if, if you know someone who's baptized Catholic, they're getting married outside the church. Can you go to the wedding? Uh, and, Secondarily, like, why does the church require Catholics to be married in the church? That's right. 
uh, which is one of the precepts of the church, by the way. When I think something that's interesting too, like we had touched on a little bit, like people view Catholics as judgmental or any of that kind of stuff, that it, it's difficult to live the faith. And, and if you don't have the ability and, or if it was me, it's hard to, for me to try to explain some of the teachings. But if all of a sudden, you know, one of my buddies gets married in a, on the beach in Hawaii and I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I can't go to your wedding. And I feel like no matter what you say at that point, I'm instantly boxed into being a Catholic that's judgmental. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for, to explain that to people, especially for something so personal. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a tricky one. So what you get out there in the Catholic world is you're going to get different priests giving different advice on this one. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so this could touch on a lot of really important topics today, I think. But it's, this is something all of us are going to deal with. If you have not already dealt with this, you're going to deal with this. If you're a good Catholic, right, young people today are leaving the Catholic Church in droves. That's right. So the odds of you having someone who's in this scenario is very likely. Um, so I did go. So th- and I, and I, I'm, I think and I'm going to stand by my decision. So I was the best man for my buddy, Eric Schmidt. And um, it was my first year of seminary. It was right when I entered. Yeah. So when I entered seminary, I, f- I should know all these wedding dates, but I don't. I'm bad with dates. But right when I, I th- my brother got married and my best friend from my childhood, Eric Schmidt and Sean Larkin, uh, they both married their wives. And I was the best man in both weddings. And I, uh, with Eric, you know, I was kind of like super zealous in my faith. And so I told him, hey, this is a big deal by the way, that you're getting married outside the church. And he, I told him this means, and it, it does mean this, if you're a Catholic and you get married outside the church, that you you have broken communion with the church. And so you can't receive communion until you set things right. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. But it's the same for any like mortal sin. But you are, as a Catholic, once you're baptized, you are you belong to the church and you have to be married in the church. So I told Eric that. And the thing was, he wasn't in a place, I don't think. He wasn't in a place yet to really receive that. And honestly, I probably did it terribly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine looking back at yourself? I was probably the most judgmental. Hey, man, you know, I'm going to be there, but I just want you to know you cannot receive communion. Yeah, I'm going to be there. (laughs) But let's talk about eight reasons why you do what a vacuum is. That's right. And I am not going to be happy about this. I am not going to be happy about this. I'm going to have a great time on the dance floor. Until we get there. Now, what about, okay, so you stand by your decision there. First year of seminary, what if Eric got married this summer and you're a priest? Best man, how do you handle that? Yeah, that's another complicating factor, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And, And another question with this before you answer that. If you say yes, would you wear the clerics all black or... Do you go incognito incog like, you know, everyone dresses the same. All the groomsmen get their little suits and deals. Yep. How do you handle that? 
So I would still go, and yes, I would wear my collar. Okay. The the hard part is like, yeah, I, I just think avoiding extreme. So here's the deal: the church does not have a teaching on this. Okay. You will meet, and one of the things I want to say today is hardcore is not a Catholic virtue. We've talked about this on the podcast today, yep. or not today, in in different times. But you can't be you can't be more Catholic than the church. Sometimes that's, if, if you are, said. yeah, if you're more Catholic than the church, it might be a sign you're kind of a jerk. Sandcastles. So you don't get to invent new rules that the church herself doesn't have. You don't get to do that. And you will meet, and, I, and I'm not to pick on, well, I guess I do yes to pick on you, whoever you are out there, as Paul would say. Paul does that sometimes in a diatribe. But anyway, whoever you are out there, if you are... If you're more Catholic than the church, that's a really dangerous sign. So the church does not have a rule on this topic. A generation ago, pretty much any priest would have told you you can't go. Okay. And I think there are operative principles at play here uh, that can help guide things. But that's that's a big one. Don't be more Catholic than the church. You don't. You're you're not the Pope. You're not you know the Holy Spirit. You you can't pretend you know better than the church. So there's no rule on this for Catholics. It's there's, a, there's principles, but go ahead. It's, it's a hard thing. Um, I found, I think the one I have not been in this I'm kind of a loner, um, but I have not been in this position. I've gone to many weddings since becoming Catholic, but it's always Steph's friends. So they're, super focus sure not focused but from focus um but i haven't been in a position where one of my good buddies has gotten married outside of the church but i do know one of my best friends is a creaster scenario mm -hmm. and i've had to battle you know the sunday obligation yep and and him saying that you know i'm a big catholic this and that but still receiving yeah you know, and that's one where I'm like, man, the one have the courage and two, like, that's a delicate conversation to have too. It is. So I think, you know, this is another one of those things where I just want to say avoid extremes. Yeah. There's a, there's a legitimate tension in this question. And I think if you see it one sidedly, then you're on either side, you're probably doing it wrong. So how do you be a, a witness to the faith? in that scenario without being a vacuum for yes. without, without being yeah a vacuum um and when he says being a vacuum if you didn't pick up on this my mother <laughs> hates the word of what a vacuum does so that's why we say you know don't be a vacuum and that's not clean vacuum cleans it does but it clean, also but it also does the process of it doing yes <laughs> Picking things up off the floor, but, um, yeah. How do you, cause I feel like, and today in, um, I want to say it was in the morning prayer. We did a staff holy hour today and it was in the morning prayer where it was like, I am so going to butcher this, but it was like an aspect of being a witness to the faith and mm -hmm. standing firm in that. Yep. So how do you navigate that? Like in your example, like you said to him, you will not you can't receive communion. You're, you've, you're out of communion with the church. Yeah. And you know, it's, 
it's an art. Evangelization and witnessing to people is an art, not a science. And by the way, you're going to screw it up. Yeah. So, so I think it's good to think of extremes. So one extreme would be, you're just a pushover. Marriage doesn't mean anything. You're the, you're the nice person who will support you, whatever you do. And you, and you caricature. So there's a great line. Love without truth is sentimentality. So if you Uh. think you can love people without having the truth involved, it's no longer love. Love without truth is sentimentality. So this is the, this is the Joe Biden thing. Oh, you want to marry someone of the same sex? Oh, I want to be loving. So I'll, you know what? I'll officiate, which I, (laughs) I think he did. That's, that's trying to love someone without the truth. All you do there is you look real nice, but you confirm people on things that are not good for them. Right. Right. So, so that would be one extreme. And we all know Catholics like this who it's easier. They don't, we don't want to make waves. I hate conflict. Who doesn't? Right. Father John Nepple is the only person I know who loves conflict. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he would hate it if you he heard that, but he will listen to this. So that's good. Uh, I'm sure some of you out there will tell him. That's right. Yeah, this is definitely going to get, get passed along. It totally will. But nobody loves conflict. So the path of least resistance is always tempting, but that's not right. That's not good for people to love people. You have to guide them towards what is true. The other side though, right? Is the, um, the truth as a weapon. Yeah. Daggers. And it's just, and it doesn't actually help people because they walk away and you feel better about yourself. I told them the truth. But they, they hate you and they hate the church. Yep. So so I think there's a tension. Like part of being a Christian means you're going to be misunderstood sometimes. And and this is the, really what we're talking about here is we did a podcast on this virtue, which is called prudence. Yep. And prudence is practical wisdom. It's, it's taking principles and knowing how to apply them in the right time, in the right way, with the right people. And... So this calls for an act of judgment. And so what I would say about going to a wedding is it depends. Ooh. It depends. Yeah, I think it depends on your relationship to the person. And so there's a a principle in philosophy called the quid quid. (laughs) I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's Latin, quid quid. So... I don't even know if I say this right. I probably don't, but it sounds cool. There's a Latin principle that says quid quid recipientis, uh, quid quid recipitur recipientis secundum mundum recipitur. Okay. (laughs) Have a nice day. (laughs) So, yeah. So it, I'm sure my Latin's too much espresso. (laughs) It, It means that which is received is or whatever is received, you could say. Uh, but that which is received is received according to the mode of the receiver. Okay. That which is Go received on. is received according to the mode of the receiver. And here's what it means. It means, and this it's really uh, pertinent to this scenario, is you've got to think about how, not just about what you want to say, but about the person who's going to be receiving the message. So the example I usually use with this is if I give a sermon on God as father, 
I can say it perfectly. I can give the best talk, best sermon I've ever given, all about how wonderful the Father is. But imagine if the there's a person in the church that day who has an, a physically abusive father. Hmm. No matter how good I say it, they're going to receive, not according to how I say it, they're going to receive it by the mode of the receiver. On their experience. Which means that they have, yeah, they've had a bad experience with their dad, really bad experience. So they're going to hear the word father, not objectively, but subjectively yep. through their experience and lens. And so I think the same thing is true about weddings. So you, if you don't go to the wedding and this is why when most people, when people ask me this question, I'll kind of lay out these principles for them. But what, but what I usually tell people is probably the better thing to do is to go, but somehow to let them know that they really need to think about coming back to the church. So what we would in, so, so the quid quid by not going, if I had not gone to Eric Schmidt's wedding, what I would have wanted to say to him by doing that, I would have wanted to say, Hey brother, I love you so much. You mean the world to me and I want what's best for you. And I want you to know that this is a big deal. And getting married outside the church is not, you know, it's not good for you. But Eric, I think, how would he would have received that? If I just didn't go to the wedding, try to explain it. How's, how's, how's Eric going to perceive that? So in a non-Latin way, in <laughs> football, we call it know your personnel, KYP. KYP. And that's what's coming up for me here is, yeah, I, you know, I don't know Eric and how he would have perceived it but I guess you got to really understand him and maybe this is what you're referring to of your relationship with the person and if you yep. truly know them then being able to understand how they'll perceive it but yep. if you're not at that relationship then maybe that's a scenario of like I'm not going in that perspective I like is that what you're saying yeah so exactly you got to know the person you know, yeah be personnel that's right know your personnel <laughs> Yeah, so you got to think about how is he going to receive that. I think, and I think the vast majority of people, if there's someone close to you in your life and you don't go to their wedding, you know what they're going to say? To heck with this guy. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. a judgmental jerk. I knew the Catholic Church. Was, we're going to be right. like, hey, the church stands for truth. We love you. Like, this is supposed to evangelize you. On the other side of the table, that person's going to be like, you guys are the most judge. This confirms me in my desire to leave Catholicism. That's right. That's especially, what I think. Especially when so many people are leaving, you know, the church is bleeding in that standpoint. Um, for me personally, I'm the, out of the two, two extremes, I'm the former. Um, and I think it has to do You're with the extreme of like, you don't want to have conflicts. Correct. Kind of just make people happy. And I don't me know, too. I don't know if it's necessarily like, yeah, I mean, no, I will say that. Like, I definitely don't want to ruffle the feathers. One, because... I am not confident in my ability to explain in an, you know, even just on the surface, the church's teachings. Like I know I believe it and I'm passionate about it, but I feel like I would butcher trying to explain it and therefore come across as yep. what we're talking about. But also I think the bigger one for me is coming into the church at, at the time 33, 32, maybe 
um, I had lived life in a certain way and I feel like I have sympathy for the, um, lack of understanding or just kind of like thinking and thinking of life in such surface level ways. Sure. And I've brought this up before. I mean, and we don't, we're not going to dive into it, but when it comes to the abortion topic, especially like now I understand it. Steph is uber passionate about it, but I also had a different perspective and a lack of understanding when it came to abortion a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That's so for me, when it's like, do I go to my best friends or good buddies wedding? I kind of look at it and I think that's where I struggle of like standing firm, but also like they just don't know. So how do I get yeah. to that point of being able to explain and or tell them to listen to this episode of the podcast? <laughs> Hence why we started this. Hence why we started the podcast. I do think also just to throw in a bone to the other side, some important, and there is a tension here. The other yeah. side of it is imagine if every Catholic in the world took this seriously. Yep. If, and, and so a good argument, I think for why people could say, don't go to the wedding is it imagine if imagine if the whole church was like had a stronger culture of this yep and hopefully you know in the best possible way don't think of the jerk person who's like you committed a sin you're dead to me not that way but in a way where imagine if the whole church took this more seriously that could be a really powerful cultural influence Massively, of course, on Catholics, but actually maybe for the whole world. Yeah. No one takes marriage seriously anymore. But if but if all of your Catholic friends, if everyone who's Catholic knows how serious this is, that's a powerful witness. Yeah. And so so I think, you know, and this is why at the end of the day, I think the church does not have a rule that I have ever seen on this in my almost eleven years of priesthood and, you know, a decade before that of trying to live a serious Catholic life. I've never seen anyone produce an actual rule on this. doesn't mean it's not out there, but I don't think it exists. And, but, but a good Catholic, right? If you're a good Catholic, you should be living in tensions. It's always easier to collapse the tension. Yeah. It's easier just to be a hard ASS. I'm catching myself today. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. And then I used the vacuum. It's easier just to be that way. And then you can yeah. be self-righteous and you're like, I follow the rules. I checked all the boxes. That's right. Or it's easier to be like, I'm the compassionate person. I love everyone. I will do whatever anyone wants for them. That's right. No matter what, even if they want me to buy them drugs or whatever. Yeah. And that's, both of those are stupid and you've got to live in a tension as a Catholic and you should feel the weight of either side, both sides of this, this issue. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a balancing act. Yeah. And by the way, can we, this is just touching on a couple other things back to our, I want to hit on Patrick and I were talking. I want to hit on. So why do you have to be married in the church? Yes. Why does that even matter? But before we hit that, I want to come back to, so that whole debate about should you marry a Catholic or a non-Catholic? Yep. That you and I have that debate. You you hit <laughs> at me when I'm not here. You and Steph, you bring Steph on. That's right. But, and for obvious reasons, because you weren't a Catholic, you know, when you were dating, when you started dating. So, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1634. There it is. Just tattooed on my there, back. There it Just is. Kidding. So 1634, uh, talking about marrying outside the Catholic Church. And it 
It says difference of confession between the spouses does not constitute an insurmountable obstacle for marriage. So if you're a Calvinist, evangelical, and I'm a Catholic, that's not insurmountable. So the church will allow you to marry someone who's not Catholic. But the difficulties of mixed marriages must not be underestimated. They arise from the fact that the separation of Christians has not yet been overcome. This is crazy. Now listen to this. The spouses risk experiencing the tragedy of Christian disunity even in the heart of their own home. I'm going to read that line again. Uh, the spouses risk experiencing the tragedy of Christian disunity even in the heart of their own home. So the big difference is between Catholics and other Christians. And I see this all the time in marriage prep. Couples, and God bless them, really good young people a lot of time. We get all types in marriage prep. We have, but it, I, I, it's a stark difference in my office. Sometimes you'll meet non-Catholics and they come in and they don't get it. They're not interested in being Catholic, but they're nice. Yeah. They, they're kind. They treat you like a human being. Then there's some who come in and it's just like, they're just, they're just ticked that they're even there. They're just angry. And they're like, mom's making me do this or grandma so-and-so. Or, or my right. fiance is making me do this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Whatever it is, but I'm just like, man, I hope I don't treat anybody that way. Yeah. I probably do. I don't mean to. Uh Differences about faith, this is back from the catechism, differences about faith and the very notion of marriage, but also different religious mentalities can be sources of tensions in marriage, especially as regards the education of children. The temptation to religious indifference can then arise. I love that line. That is so true and so brilliant. Mom and dad try to figure out Protestantism versus Catholicism. Yep. And it's really hard. Guess what? Protestantism broke away from the Catholic Church 500 years ago. That's right. 500. And there's been movement recently, but like couples get engaged and they think, oh, we'll overcome this. We'll figure it out. I'm like, really? There's 500 years of fighting over this issue. Yes. 500 years. And you're going to bring that in and you're going to marry someone. And God bless you, but marriage is not. And this is part of the problem in the modern world. We have taught our children that marriage is about romance. And romance is great. I hope you have it throughout your marriage. From what married couples tell me all the time, it's not real likely. Yeah. You're not, you know, romance is not, it's a good thing. It's probably even a necessary thing. But it's not, but we act like it's the only thing. And so what happens is they, the couples try to resolve this. They can't figure it out. You know what they start doing? They give up on religion. Yep. And so, once more, just going to say, if you're going to marry a non-Catholic, the church allows it, but it warns against it for very serious reasons. And I even won over Mary Rogers on this issue, which I still can't believe. She fought me on this for like, uh, for probably like seven years of my priesthood. And she was always, because Greg was a convert too. That's right. And now doing marriage prep, we do marriage prep for 60 couples a year, 80 or whatever it is. And after all the marriage prep we do at Lord's, Mary has changed her mind. She's like, 
all of our couples that have problems, all the ones that are difficult to deal with, all the ones who don't even like treat us with dignity and respect, they're, they're always mixed marriages. So I need to go back and listen to it. Let me take a step back. What I think the intention, and I, I am firm in this, the intention of when Steph and I talked about that was when it came to initially dating. I know Steph would have not married me. It would have been a prerequisite to eventually get there. Yeah. Uh, she is very firm on, you know, on a lot of things that the <laughs> church teaches, but especially that, um, I think it was more of the standpoint of like, do you have to start dating a Catholic? And then that was our story. But, and I, I do think that's important because, and why I do like, you know, it, it's hard to explain sometimes to people. And, and when you, I mean, you do it where it's like that eight month prep and everything you're talking about with NFP and you're taking that test, mm -hmm. um, the focus exam, it brings up legitimate topics that people won't talk about. And when it's, you know, if, if Steph and I disagree on what toothpaste to use, we can work through that. But if all of a sudden, you know, out the gates, but even as soon as Gianna's kind of wondering, like, why doesn't dad go to mass or it's different churches or all of a sudden it, it becomes real. And then yep. therefore I think it is easier to say, okay, you know what? Let's play Switzerland. We're out of faith. Like it's you're, you want to avoid that conflict in the house. Cause it is so serious. I do agree. Eventually we get to a spot that is really challenging. And hence I think why people come in and one or the other, that's not Catholic is resentful yep. for getting married in the church. Yeah, and this and but this is why I would very much caution about even dating a non-Catholic. So again, the church allows you to marry a non-Catholic, so we we can't forbid it. Right. To right. go back to my earlier principle of you can't be more Catholic than the church. Yep. But the Old Testament and the New Testament have very, very severe warnings. The Old Testament is forbidden to marry a non-Jew. Uh, in the New Testament, there's very strong, very strong warnings about this. But, and here's why. So here's here's the problem with that. Like you should date somebody, but if you, but it would have been an issue for Steph if you had not become Catholic. Here's the problem. What if you weren't open to it because she had fallen in love with you? You guys were totally in love, and if and if you weren't the man you are in terms of being open to the faith, yeah. Like, at a certain point, people can say, "Yeah, well." it's necessary if I'm going to marry you. And that might be true for stuff. But what I would say is for the overwhelming majority of people, even if they have that principle in them in their mind, that I'll only marry this guy or this girl if they eventually convert. Yep. That's one. It's one thing to say that when you're not dating, when you're not in love. Yep. When you, it's kind of like Anya, uh, Anya, when her and Dan got pregnant, they had little Eliza and praise God. So they got pregnant and, Anya, who's on our staff, she, she told me, she said, well, FB, I'm going to keep working after we have the baby. And the day she told me that, I said, that's great. We would love to have you keep working at Lourdes. Uh, when you have that baby in your arms, let's have another conversation. Yeah. And it's fair. And you know, three months ago, she was in the chair you're sitting in right now. And she said, you were right. Yeah. She's like, I just can't, I can't do it. I've got to be home with the baby. And so I think because her heart was there and I, that's the danger. Yeah. is you can 
you can date someone, you can marry someone who's not Catholic, but we tend to think we put all of our bags in marriage in terms of all of our eggs in marriage. Thinking of the eggs in the basket. Yeah. We put all of our hope that marriage will fulfill us. Yeah. And you know who can fulfill you completely and totally? Not your spouse, not any human being. And so from the church's perspective, and this is why it's so hard when I have a Protestant in my office or an atheist or whatever, Yeah, we're trying to be nice with them and we're trying to like not be arrogant and condescending, but we believe very strongly in the Catholic faith and the, and it's, and what, from our perspective, it's like, uh, you're, it's very easy to make your spouse an idol. Yeah. My spouse is the one who will fulfill me. My spouse is the one who will make me eternally happy. And, and so, and what people do is they leave the Catholic church because once you love some guy or some girl, they're tangible. They're a good kisser. Right. Yep. Like you do the butterfly kisses with your eyelashes. <laughs> right. It, don't couples do that? They, oh Yeah. Yeah. And the Eskimo like nose thing. The Eskimo. Steph and I have legitimately never done that, but my mom <laughs> used to do that to me as a kid. Yeah, I think that's more of a little kid thing. Yeah. Anyway, okay, I kind of just went off on that. But so, does that so, do, do you see what I'm saying though? What about oh man, and I hope, you know, I'm just gonna ruffle feathers if anyone's in this position now, especially after the marriage retreat. But when um people come in for marriage prep and they wanna do get married in the church but in like a little private ceremony deal and then go have like the, the beach wedding. wedding. Yeah, yeah. With everybody, all 400 people show up, but the church thing yep. is just with so it's a little mom tricky. and dad. So, so what I tell couples, so if a couple comes to me that way, I'm a bit of a gambler and my hope is to win them over in the course of marriage prep so, but what the church teaches on this is pretty clear. You can have a party all you want, but you can't have another ceremony. Ooh. And because unless you have like an explicit, if you're marrying like a Muslim or a Mormon or a really devout Protestant of some kind, that you could get a permission from the bishop to alter some things um, and to have like a mixed ceremony. But it's once. And so, so you can't do a second wedding and the church calls that simulation of a sacrament. And, and this, this brings us to why did they get married in church? And we're almost out of time today, but, um, wow. But catechism 1631. And I love what it says here. So why, why did they get married in church? Uh, <clears throat> sacramental, the first reason it lists is this sacramental marriage is a liturgical act which means it's an act of worship. It is therefore appropriate that it should be celebrated in the public liturgy of the church. And here's the crazy thing. So we have taught couples in the Catholic church and in Christian circles, the Disney form of marriage. It's Prince Charming, Cinderella, and this is what marriage is. That is not what Christianity believes. It never has, it never will. Christianity, and I just taught on this. This is my talk at the marriage retreat, which you intentionally skipped. <clears throat> the, the The church teaches that the that the sacrament of marriage, along with all the other sacraments, they came from the pierced heart of Jesus Christ on the cross. So in John nineteen, Jesus dies on the cross. 
the soldier pierces his heart. It doesn't it says just side in John's gospel, but the tradition of the church is his heart was pierced. And out of his side comes blood and water. Yep. The early church and the current church teaches that that what happened right there was that the sacramental life of the church flowed from the heart of the death of Christ on the cross. And we've probably done this on the podcast before, but all the, all the parallels there to Adam, Jesus is the new Adam, the new founder of the human race. <clears throat> and on, on uh, Friday of the creation story, God puts Adam into sleep, takes his, his bride, Eve, he creates uh, Eve from the side of Adam, from his rib. Friday, good Friday, Jesus, the new Adam, the new founder of the human race, sleeps the sleep of death on the cross. His bride comes forth from his heart, which is the church. And so we teach, you know, most couples, like you go through marriage prep and it's like, let's talk about communication <laughs> and finances. And those are good and necessary. You know, when you teach couples that your marriage was founded in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and it's an act like, like Christian marriage is different from natural marriage. It's different. It's an act of worship and it's a, it's a sacrament that leads to the love of God. And here's the thing. If you're going to marry someone who's not a Catholic, they don't think that way. Everybody just assumes the secular version of marriage today, which is we like each other. Yeah. She's hot. I'm hot. We're gonna feels make good hot. in the moment. How it feels we good. That? We're going to, we're gonna make a ton of money. We're gonna make hot babies. <sighs> What about, yeah, this is such a rookie question, but what about the start like way back in the day where uh, people like prearranged trading cattle scenarios, but still <laughs> getting, where are you going with this one? getting married in the church. Like that had to have existed. Like when did that stop? I, I really don't know. Wait, are you talking about arranged marriages? Yeah. When did that stop? Yeah. Like, I mean, but if that's a scenario in the church, you know, 100 AD. Mm-hmm. How does that sacrament play into that? So the, you can have it either way. The, um, you have to be free to enter into marriage. Okay. But, but, it, but also there was, it was a different world back then. I think the advantage of it, I'm sure there are great disadvantages to arrange marriages, but, but there are great advantages. And here's the thing, like it, uh, arranged marriages and I'm not, I'm going to get lit up for this one. I'm not <laughs> advocating necessarily return to this, but here's the thing. When you're 22, you think marriage is about, Oh my gosh, look at the way, look at the eyes that girl has. Yeah. And that for you, that's what marriage is about. Your parents who are like 50 or whatever, mid forties, they know that marriage is not about that. Right. So you're like, you're 20 and we love, we love the Romeo and Juliet stories of the heck with the curmudgeon old people who don't know anything about love and young people. They know everything about love. Hate to break it to you. That's not actually true. People who've been married a long time. They get worried about who their kids marry because they've been married. Yeah. They've been married and they know what it's like. And they're like, Hey, you know what? I know he's got chiseled abs and he's got that hipster, you know, mullet or whatever's popular today. And I know you're infatuated by that, but he's got really bad habits. Yeah. He's really selfish. It's bigger than that. 
and you marry a guy who's really self-absorbed and domineering, it's gonna be a really bad marriage. Yeah. It's, I feel like there's a pressure too, like that, you know, on, on kind of both ends, either you're too young or you're too old. Like what's the sweet spot in finding that? Like there's a lot of people that want to get married so quick because they feel like they have to, like they need, you know, there's that Romeo and Juliet, super young, have a lot of kids and, and be young, but really trying to find where you are in life. Yeah. And then if you get too old, it's like, man, I got to get married. We got to do this. And like, I got to yeah. tie this thing up ASAP. Um, yeah. It's a tough balancing act. I, yeah. I think they're all like tough conversations. I mean, it's, it is that battle. And I think it's um, holding firm in the truth on a lot of issues too. Like, yep. you know, a lot with of what, love. With love. Speaking the truth with love. That's right. Do you offer a course on that? <laughs> it's called suffering. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. My favorite thing in life. Mothane, well, pothane. That's the Greek one. So, <clears throat> um, or you could do it the other way. Pothane, mothane. So this is a common axiom in the ancient world. Hebrews chapter five has a reference to this. I think it's five. Maybe it's either four or five. But anyway, um, Pothane is the Greek word to suffer. Mothane is to learn. And I love that phrase, pothane, mothane. To suffer is to learn. Ooh, I do love that. That was one of the computers for if I ever got a tattoo. That was one of the... Really? That, that I think that's a great phrase. To suffer is to learn. I love that. Monty Python. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Monty Python. Oh man, that's deep stuff. I think it's a great question. Um, and yeah, I hope we get more questions on it. I think there's, you know, father John did a great job in the talk that I watched and, and those yeah, five, those five topics. I think there's a the lot five of dogmas of the postmodern world. That's you know? right. I'd love to do that one with you too. And kind of walk through that and hear your, um, we should get father John to come do that. It'd be great for him to come on the podcast and do that. That'd be fun. Um, that would be fun. I, there's a lot to dive into, especially just in the world we live in now and the dogmas associated. Like, how do you have those, you know, loving yet truthful conversations? Yeah. Can I make one last, I know we're a little over time, but can I make one last final point? Bring it home, Papa. I, that's just sounds Which creepy. is father. I mean, yeah, sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Last, last point I would make is I don't, and again, I don't, I'm not aware of a Catholic law about this but i do think the principles are clear here i don't think you can go to a gay wedding <laughs> in the final minute final minute nice yeah, i don't think you can go Drops maybe it. we'll bring it up at the <laughs> stop laughing <laughs> you're ridiculous that was like the nuke of all nukes and all right, we are a, all right all you right, guys nice and day. we're out have a nice day maybe we'll talk about that we do and, i okay. think that's an important one okay we can bring that up next week maybe but there are reasons why it's different. It's not the same as a Catholic being married outside the church. Uh, maybe we could talk about that. Dude, that just gave me chills. Uh, yeah, I hope we do. I think that's a very powerful topic. And now that you just said that too, that it's different. My train of thought right there was that it'd be somewhat the same. But okay. All right, everybody. Well, 
Well, thanks for the thanks. You're welcome for the nuclear bombs out there at the end of the podcast. Gosh, if, yeah. Wait till next week with that Monty Python. I love it. Monty Python, Mothin Pothin. So thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Hope oh, this helps man. you. Hope you're growing in your faith and your love of God. More importantly, a real, real love for Him. And uh, see you next time. Rant at lordsdenver.org. Email us in. We love the topics. And we'll talk to you next week.